Welcome back to your home inspector training. I am Garth Haslam, and uh, the subject this time around, we're going to talk about kitchen appliances. Now, the training that you probably will be getting from uh, Nachi or Ashy or whatever, a lot of them don't require that kitchen appliance even be tested. But the reality is that if you don't, then you suck as a home inspector to your clients. Obviously, you know, the stove, the oven, the disposal, dishwasher, all those sorts of things, they are a key element um, to the home inspection for your client. And if the client doesn't see you test those things carefully, then you just plain are no good. Doesn't matter what else you know. So whether or not there's a requirement from any other source, your client requires it, and this is certainly something that you're going to want to do. So uh, we're going to cover in this segment, we're going to cover the, uh, the stove, the oven, the disposal, the dishwasher, microwave, and the fan that may be attached associated with it, and then we're going to talk about the compactor as well. Now, many of these items are just a matter of inspecting for functionality, but uh, there are some, some tips and tricks that you're going to want to make sure that you cover um, as, you, uh, as you go through these. Again, if you miss, for example, that the stove, maybe you got a burner that's not working, um, your client will curse your name forever, and, and, at, and that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is they're going to call you and, and ask you to uh, buy a new stove for them. Uh, none of this is anything you want to deal with. So let's let's start on that uh, on that particular track. As you're looking at the stove, of course, uh, you can have a gas or an electric stove. Um, they all come in different varieties. You got those old coil burners or the new ones where you've got a glass plate on top of things. Um, in any case, you need to turn things on and just make sure that you do have heat coming from all of the above. Don't get tripped up because a lot of the newer stoves will actually have a warmer. And so that's not going to get red hot like the rest of them. So maybe you'll see, sometimes that will be a fifth burner, if you will. In any case, um, you want to make sure that you you know what uh, that is supposed to be so you can make sure you know what it, you know, that it's doing okay. Um the way the, the best way to test these is to use a, a thermo gun. You can get those at pretty much any hardware store and you know just a thermo camera and that will tell you how quickly things are heating up. Of course the last thing you want to do is try using your fingertips. Uh, not professional and it looks makes you look really stupid. So go get that gun and uh, you'll be a lot better off. Now the gas burners Quite often I will see where you've got maybe a gas stove and you try to turn it on. It'll Hopefully it go, you know, you got the lighter that's trying to happen. It's doing the tick, tick, tick thing, trying to light the gas. Sometimes that gas and air mixture just isn't right. And so you actually have to use a lighter to do that. If you turn that gas on and you come up with a lighter 20 or 30 seconds later, um, you're going to be creating a firebomb in the kitchen. And uh, again, that's going to make you look bad. You may or may not blow up the house, but uh, it, it doesn't end well for you. So <clears throat> um, if it doesn't turn on quickly and easily, 
you can decide whether you want to go to plan B and go get a lighter, but uh, you certainly want to be writing things up because um, those things need to, when they're turned on, they need to light uh, in order for them to be functional. Also, on the stove and oven, uh, you're going to want to look, if it's a freestanding stove, I mean, obviously, if it's built into the wall or into whatever the cabinetry or whatever, if that thing can tip, uh, you need to look for the anti-tip bracket. And again, this was required uh, by code for certain years, and who knows in the future is, uh, you know, what their, their requirements may or may not be. But as the home inspector, you're more concerned about protecting the family than, than paying attention to what year, what code, what state may be involved. So from my point of view, it doesn't matter. If there is not an anti-tip bracket on the stove, there should be. And uh, it's an easy thing to, to install for pretty much any, ga any stove, gas or electric. And um, it's a $5 piece of hardware, if that. And that's an important thing that you can put on the radar of your clients so that they can understand why they hired you. So the anti-tip bracket, just imagine, for example, that uh, grandma or mommy is cooking something on the stove. you got a three-year-old that wants to see what's cooking. Um, this scenario is not hard to imagine. So three-year-old opens up the oven door and then climbs on it so she can see what is cooking and see if the macaroni is done yet. Maybe mom went to the bathroom or whatever while the three-year-old is doing this. The next thing that happens is the stove, macaroni and all, uh, tips over, falls on the three-year-old, scalds the three-year-old, and now you've got uh, you've got little Janie in the hospital. Um, <clears throat> the anti-tip bracket could have prevented all of the above. Very simple thing needs to be installed. You'll want to look for that. Uh, as a matter of fact, you might even want to just mention it, whether it's there or not, to each of the clients so they're aware that it it uh, is or is not there and what its importance is. Um, as you mention stuff like that to your clients, they, you know, whether, like I say, whether it's there or not, they begin to understand that you are looking for things that they totally were not aware of and it adds value to your inspection. Um, let's move on to the oven. Uh, now, ovens, again, I'm going to be using the, the thermo uh, sensor that I have, just a common heat gun, tells you what, how many degrees you got going there. I do not personally turn the oven on to a particular set of degrees, you know, maybe let's go, I don't know, maybe you set it to 350. I'm not going to stand there and wait for the oven to heat up to that temperature and then verify using my heat gun that it's actually that temperature. I don't think that's a good use of time. What I will do, though, is I'll turn the oven on make sure that the uh, that it's heating up you know that the element is doing what it's supposed to do and then I'll turn things off again now <clears throat> one of the things that can often happen is you turn things on and then you don't want to wait so you go to the sink you go to the dishwasher you go to the light switches maybe the plugs in the kitchen and it has happened that I didn't get back to the oven and I just left it on and then I was the idiot so you're gonna want to make sure that you have a routine as part of your inspections that takes you back to the oven before you leave the kitchen. Um, <clears throat> so for me, the, the functionality of the oven is, is just that. Also, 
uh, you're going to want to like make sure on the oven that the door doesn't just fall open. So, for example, maybe, again, you've got a little three-year-old kid, little Janie, who wants to open the oven for whatever reason. If that thing just falls on her and the springs are gone, uh, that's a safety issue and it needs to be addressed. Um, we can't we can't have things falling on three-year-olds. It's just not good. So that's another one of the inspection points you're going to want to write up. Okay, let's talk about the disposal next. Now, usually if there is any sort of an appliance uh, or inspection point inside the kitchen that is going to be going bad on you, it is the disposal. You're going to want to spend a little bit of time there at the disposal and just give that disposal some time to show you how that it's failed. One way that I do this is I will turn on the, uh, the water at the kitchen sink and I will leave it on. I'll actually leave it on uh, so that it flows down both sides so that you can see whether the left side or the right side of the sink is leaking. Of course, you don't want to do that if that's causing splashing. There was an incident where the realtor put his uh, computer next to the sink, and then I turned on the, um, the water, and uh, that water splashed his computer. That didn't make me any points with the, the realtor. In that sort of a case, you're going to want to notice that and, of course, either move the the PC or go left and right. I like to go <clears throat> or left then right. I like to go both at the same time because it gives me a good long time to see if there's any leaks happening at either side. And um, and then you can you can spend less time there. Sometimes you just don't uh, you know you don't have time to to allow water to flow into each sink for a full couple of minutes. Um, if you do, then that's your choice, but uh, that's how I do things. Now, as you do that, you're going to have some of the water go down into the disposal, and um, if there is a leak, you'll, uh, you'll be able to figure it out pretty quick. After the water has been on for at least 30 seconds, you, you want to look down in the uh, cabinet beneath and just see where the leak may be. Uh, a lot of those disposals... Well, they'll they'll leak from anywhere and everywhere, but if you see that drip, usually it's easy to identify. Whether or not you can identify the source of the leak, your job is to identify the fact that the disposal is leaking, and then um, you can you can leave that to into the hands of a plumber or whoever's going to do the repairs. It is not your job to identify directly the source of the leak. Um, and again, this is one of those style items uh, that's going to be something that you choose or not choose, but um, it all comes down to customer service. If you've got uh, the client there and they're interested, maybe you, you work a little harder to identify the particular joint that is leaking. If they're not there and you're just writing it up, then you just say the, you know, the disposal is leaking and needs to be repaired. Um, <clears throat> another thing that can go wrong with the disposal is um, that sometimes people either leave it for too long and then it will corrode together to the point that the, uh, the motor won't actually turn the canister anymore. Or maybe uh, grandma put too many potato peels down there and that jams it up. If that's happening, what you will hear is kind of a, uh, an electronic grr sound, for lack of a better term, and then the button on the disposal will pop, and then it won't be doing anything at all. 
So one of the things you can do, and again, this is something that you're going to want to talk to your clients about. There should be an Allen wrench right there. Uh, quite often that goes bye-bye, so you'll probably want an Allen wrench set in your truck as well. You can actually turn um, the disposal unit. You can turn that interior drum, uh, and sometimes you can get it functional again. If you can't, then that's uh, something, of course, that you're going to ride it up. Whether or not, again, you're going to want to point out that that uh, location to turn the disposal is bottom center of that disposal <clears throat> you'll want to point out where that is so that they know what to do when when they run into that situation you know a week or a month or a year later so uh, then if the disposal is uh, obviously if it's leaking you're going to want to run that disposal for you know 15 20 seconds make sure that it's not leaking itself or if it's vibrating badly, you'll want to notice uh, the vibration. You want to notice any sounds that it's making. Obviously, if it sounds like it's uh, it's a grinder, uh, you know, a wheat grinder more than a disposal, then uh, you can certainly tell your clients that it is on its way out. Again, this adds value to them because not only are you telling them if it's uh, good today, but you're letting them know if it may or may not go out next week. This all is information that's going to provide value for them. Now, in the area that I live in, trash compactors don't happen very often, and and um, I don't really spend a lot of time on them. Obviously, you can't watch them while they are doing their job because at that point, everything is closed up. You can, of course, put something in there, maybe a Coke can, maybe a cup or whatever, but... Uh, that's going to be something that you're going to want to decide uh, how far you go. Of course, if you uh, if you go to a compactor and you just walk past it, the uh, the client can get annoyed at you. So you're going to want to uh, just make sure that the thing is functional. There's not a lot of science to it. You know, if it sounds like it's functional and it's compacting things, then uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's uh, that's the inspection points that run on that. Now let's go next to microwaves and the fans that are often located beneath microwaves. If you have a microwave that is freestanding, chances are that's the owners and they're going to take that with them when they move. So that's not a part of the inspection. If it's installed, maybe it's installed directly above the stove where it has the fan beneath it. Um, then that would be something that you're going to want to inspect. If uh, you get, if it has a fan, if it's got lights, you're going to want to just uh, make sure that you take a look at all those. Maybe you got a light bulb out. Obviously, this is little stuff, but again, the client is going to be uh, placing a lot more importance on this than perhaps some of the other items uh, that you're going to be looking at. So it needs to be done um, right. Now, as far as the microwave is concerned, again, this is going to go back to style. Uh, obviously, you can't stick your hand in there and turn the micro on, microwave on and see if it works. You might choose to uh, get a glass of water and put that in there and make sure that it heats up. I have some personal difficulty with pulling a cup uh, out of the seller's um, cabinet I think that's awkward. I'm not sure that that's something that we as home inspectors have the right to do. We just can't go using their stuff. 
So then your next option would be to maybe bring your own cup. And again, this seems kind of awkward to me. I don't spend a lot of time on the direct functionality of microwaves. If you feel differently, uh, that's entirely your choice. Um, <clears throat> similarly, on dishwashers, let's talk about dishwashers. I know a guy who will actually bring in a dirty dish and he will use that dirty dish to, uh, to be washed and he'll actually throw that in the homeowner's dishwasher uh, and wash that as part of his inspection. Again, I have some heartburn with this because... You know, you, to bring in something that's dirty into something somebody else's home, uh, that just seems a bit awkward. In addition, um, how do you calibrate what a dirty dish is? I mean, do you do you put ketchup on it and uh, spread it around 50% of the dish, and then do you leave that dish to dry for how many minutes or hours? Um, how hot is the temperature? Maybe, you know, do you leave it in the, the truck? In which case you've got, you know, it's, there's just too many variables, uh, and awkwardnesses to, uh, to bringing in something as a calibrated determination of whether the dishwasher is functional. So as, as a home inspector, what I will do is I will turn on the dishwasher. I'll make sure that it doesn't leak. Uh, that it doesn't make any crazy noises. Uh, you can hear when the arms are turning. Um, you'll want to turn it on or you want to open it up a little later on during your inspection so that you can make sure that there is hot water and that it appears to be getting things wet. Um, but mostly, yeah, I just, I just run it. And um, you'll, you'll want to do that uh, usually when you get into the kitchen Quite often, I will leave that on during the rest of the inspection, and then I will turn it off as I'm about to leave the home, or if it's already finished its run by the time that uh, the inspection's done, then, of course, you don't have to do anything. Sometimes, if you just see, obviously, if the homeowner has dishes in there, uh, again, you don't want to be messing with their house. Maybe it's half a load. Maybe they want, you know, they want to be in control of their own dishwashing. It's not up to you to decide when their dishwasher gets, or when their dishes get clean. Um, that's just not a right that I believe that, that you or I have. So if there's uh, dishes in there, whether they're clean or dirty, that's a sign to me that you pretty much leave it alone. You know, maybe you turn it on for a couple of minutes and then turn it off. I don't think that's too intrusive, but you probably get the drift. Um, <clears throat> The first thing that um, that home sellers are looking for, they're afraid of you. They're afraid of me. You know, and regardless of how good a guy we may or may not be, uh, the seller looks at us and he thinks, okay, that's the guy that's going to be uh, destroying my deal. He's going to be affecting my home. You know, he's going to be casting doubt and shadows on everything about me and my lifestyle and my house. So one of the first things that he's going to want to do is discredit you. And if he can do that in whatever way, maybe he'll complain that you leave a mess. Maybe he leave complain that uh, who knows what. Maybe you let flies in his house. Um, <clears throat> you're going to want to protect against that. And uh, for you to use his... Um, 
his dishes or his cups or what have you, um, not a good way to run a business. So just be careful about those kinds of things. Make sure that the hookups for the dishwasher under the sink are solid, that there's no signs of water under there. And again, the inspection points for a dishwasher are that you need to uh, show that there is hot water, there is a seal, and if you've got too much standing water in the bottom of that thing, you, uh, you might have problems with the pump. It needs to be a little bit of water so that we can keep those seals moist, but uh, too much is going to be a problem. Okay, um, funny how one of the items that, that the home buyer considers to be the most important is actually one of the most brain-dead easy. But that's pretty much what's going on with uh, the inspection of the kitchen appliances. Most of us have uh, have turned the stove on and off before, or an oven, or you know those sorts of things. Dishwasher. I got to take a minute to tell you one story. I did an inspection for a client who, um, you know, she had an accent, and I could tell she was not from here. I don't know how long she'd been um, in this area, but she was a you know a for let's just say for a national. Um, and, uh, of course, I had her going through the house with me. I, as you know, I find that very helpful. Uh, but here's one of those stories where that indicates why. We got into the kitchen, and uh, we were sitting there looking at a, um, a gas stove. You know, the flame was on, and I was turning all of the burners on and the oven on, etc. And she looks at me, and she says, is that a gas or an electric stove? And I'm thinking, you're looking at the gas flames happening right now, and you don't know? Um, so I very respectfully just told her without any fanfare that she was uh, that this was a gas stove. You cannot predict what um, questions a person's going to ask. We don't know what they know. You know, this lady may not have been stupid. She just didn't have that much exposure to this particular lifestyle. I'm sure in whatever lifestyle she was used to, um, you know, maybe there were different issues that we would all look stupid on as well. So, um, you know, be prepared for those sorts of questions to come up. And again, no, no laughing, no anything else, just answer the question. Um, that's, uh, I guess that's a good opportunity for me to wrap up and just basically tell you the same sort of thing. Be respectful to your clients. Be respectful to the agent. Be as respectful as possible to the sellers um, to the extent that they're not getting in your way. Uh, if, for example, the sellers are trying to follow you and hover and defend uh, this is getting in the in the way of you being able to deliver a quality, concise, clear product to your client. Um, so sometimes you have to be, let's just say, less than respectful to the sellers, but you know, disinviting them from following you can still be done in as respectful of possible a way. Uh, I have stories on that too, and you know, basically the the short of that story was I I mentioned one of the words I use. I just say, you know, I don't need to tie up your time, and so I had done that, and I said that twice, and they were still following me. And then I told the guy, I said, look, you know, I just don't need you hovering, and so then he sent his wife to hover, 
And at that point in time, I got a little bit more snarly. But, you know, these are the sorts of things that are coming at you if you haven't already dealt with them. Uh, just be aware that they're coming. Uh, your priority is first your client, then the realtor, and everybody else falls in a very distant third place. Make sure you take care of your clients well. Go out there. Do me proud.